Today, we're gonna talk to one of the OGs in the industry who's gonna give us tons of strategy on PPC, Amazon data points, and more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Blackbox by Helium 10 houses the largest database of Amazon products and keywords in the world outside of Amazon itself. We have over 2 billion products and many millions more keywords from different Amazon marketplaces, from USA to Australia to Germany and more. Use our powerful filters to search through this database for pockets of opportunity that you might want to get into with your first or next product to sell on Amazon. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash black box. Don't forget you can save 10% off for life on Helium 10 by using our special code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level, Amazon or Walmart world. We've got a serious seller back on the show. Not his first time on the show. He's been uh, here before, so it might be a familiar face to you. Liron, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for uh, having me back on. Uh, I don't know what episode number this is. But uh, I was episode three of the uh, of the Ser- Serious Sellers podcast, so it's great to be uh, back on. Yep, one of the first um, completely outside guests. You know, the first episode, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was Manny Coates himself, mm-hmm. and I believe the second episode was Kevin King, right? Um, you know, who who even at that time was part of Freedom Ticket, not a Helium Ten employee, yes. but but still part of the family. And right. so Leron was the very first person that we chose to go outside of the family. Um, <laughs> And so it's great to have you back here, and and we're in the three hundreds now, so still it's wow. three. There's there's a three in there, but nice. anyways, um, we wanted to see, you know catch up to to see what you've been up to. You know, uh, even in those days, you you were a big time uh, Amazon seller, you're an educator in the space. You know, you you were known for your your PPC strategy, and so we talked about a, a wide variety of things. But the first, the very first thing um, I want to talk about, which I know we didn't talk about the last time. Is as I said in my introduction, you know, we're trying to make this show not just about Amazon sellers, but about Walmart sellers as well. Mm-hmm. What about you? For any of your Amazon brands, did you ever in the last you know couple of years, um, you know, also cross sell on Amazon or on Walmart? I'm sorry, I, I personally did not cross sell on Walmart, but we do work with people who sell on Walmart uh, as well. Um, and it's kind of interesting because yesterday, just yesterday, Walmart's earnings came out and I think the, they had some nice growth in their advertising revenue and uh, and online uh, commerce. I think they reached $2 billion in uh, ad revenue, uh, which was a nice growth for them. So obviously Walmart is growing and so is Walmart uh, advertising. Um, and Walmart's made some good changes recently. Um, to their to their platform specifically in terms of the advertising, mm-hmm. um, just to touch on it, um, it used to be that you had to rank organically in the in the first you know hundred positions um, in order to in order to show up with ads. Um, that's now no longer the case, um, and also I think starting in June they're going to be switching their auction system to be the same as Amazon's auction system. So right now on Walmart, if your competition bids 50 cents and you bid a dollar, you pay a dollar, which is terrible. Yep. Uh, like on Amazon, you'd pay 51 cents. So so Walmart is switching to that platform. So some good positive changes 
you know, co- coming out of uh, of Walmart as it comes to their their advertising and the platform. With your agency, you know, obviously you, you deal with just like you did when when you were um, you know doing courses and things like that. Well, you, you deal with so many different people. Um, a- anybody else having success on other platforms other than Amazon and Walmart? Like, you know, sometimes it, it blows me away when. You know, somebody say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing like a seven figures on Wayfair." I'm like, "Wayfair? What in the world?" You know, like, like, uh, what about your experience? Um, I mean, I've I've seen some sellers do well on Etsy, um, mm-hmm. so I would say that's an interesting platform. I think they're also allowing now, you know, non handmade. I think it just has to be sort of like classified. So you know, I think Etsy will be, you know, another growing platform. Um, and I would say really outside of that, it's really Shopify. And I'm actually mm-hmm. really excited about D2C because of the buy with Prime that Amazon yeah, yeah. just recently came out with. Let's talk about that because, um, you know, that, that came out a week ago or a couple weeks ago. Yep. And then some people, first of all, didn't really understand. Well, first of all, let's explain what D2C yep. is. You know, there's, there's a lot of new people on here. And then yes. what exactly the implications of buy uh, with Prime is. Yep. So D2C is direct to consumer. And generally that means a brand that is bypassing all other parties to sell directly to the end customer. And even Amazon is not necessarily considered so much D2C because you're going through Amazon's channel, Mm -hmm. whether it's third party seller or vendor. But when you're selling on your own website to the end customer, you are getting all the customer data, et cetera. That is sort of the, the purest form of direct-to-consumer, D2C. Now, Amazon came out with um, something called Buy With Prime. And what that means is that right now, you can do multi-channel fulfillment with Amazon. That means you can have somebody who sells on Shopify or any or any platform for that matter, really. Um, but let's, say, let's talk about Shopify. And Shopify, with some integration, connects into Amazon. And you can ship to your customer on Shopify with your inventory that's sitting in Amazon warehouse and you will just pay a fulfillment fee essentially and Amazon will ship it to to the customer which is great because you don't have to you can warehouse you can keep your inventory together for your Amazon sales and your Shopify sales you don't have to use a different warehouse Amazon now is taking it a step further and they're saying we're going to allow you to put a code on your site that's going to have a little button that says buy with prime if the end buyer on your website is a prime customer, they can click on that button. They check out, it's a Amazon checkout. They check out with all their Amazon information and details, which is awesome, which is there, uh, which by the way, you could do before with Amazon pay, which is also a, a service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it wasn't tied to fulfillment necessarily, but now you can check out checks on Amazon, but now it gets fulfilled with, you know, one to two day shipping with prime. And multi-channel fulfillment was always kind of slow, you know, I would say three to seven days in terms of like until Amazon shipped the product and, and it got to you. And buy with Prime uh, allows that customer to get to order on your Shopify store and have the same experience as Prime delivery, getting something really, really fast. Yep. What I think that means is that conversion rates on Shopify and other DSC websites, Big Commerce has already said they've hundred uh, percent are going to allow it because the, the the platform still needs to allow it. We could talk a little bit about Shopify, whether they will or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's essentially going to happen is your conversion rates on your DTC store are going to, I think, skyrocket because you have that prime uh, feel and this, the trust kind of people have in terms of buying from Amazon and knowing that it's easy and they get it fast. And you're going to be able to get one to two day 
uh, fulfillment from your Shopify store. So I'm very bullish about that and the opportunity. And what Amazon, you know, this is a um, initiative by Andy Jesse, who's the new CEO of Amazon, and he was head of AWS. And AWS was a underlying cloud, right, of storage that really basically um, is underneath kind of a lot of the internet, right? It maintains a lot of the internet across many, many companies and websites. And what Amazon is trying to do right now really is is somebody kind of, uh, there's a great article on Stratchery, Stratchery.com um, that says Amazon as a service. They're taking the, instead of just being Amazon.com, Amazon is going to power all of e-commerce, right? Or a lot of e-commerce mm-hmm, mm-hmm. will be powered by Amazon because now Amazon will do the merchant processing, the, the right, the, the payment. Uh, and also Amazon will do the fulfillment, whether or not somebody shops on Amazon or not, right? And Amazon embeds itself into e-commerce a lot more, which is really smart. It also means Amazon sees kind of the threat of Shopify and D2C, and they want a piece of the action. Um, and who knows if, let's say this this pans out and this works, if Amazon will say now we're going to offer all sellers a tool to build their own D2C site, and, mm-hmm. and maybe they mm-hmm. take some of that away from, from Shopify. Um it's interesting whether or not Shopify will adopt it because uh, their president on an earning or their CEO on an earnings call said, uh, well, yeah, we're very interested in adopting it. Um, and then he walked, I think maybe got yeah, yeah. black from the board or something. And he walked I heard about that. The, the comments a little bit because what the threat is here is that Shopify just bought Deliver. Yep, yep. And Shopify also makes a lot of their money off Merchant processing, they charge, you know, 2.9% plus 30 cents or whatever it is, right, on merchant processing. And they bought Deliver. They want to do the fulfillment and drive that business. And now Amazon's taking that away with the buy with Prime if people check out there. So it's a double-edged sword. If they don't adopt it, will Amazon launch something? and Or will people move on to big commerce or other platforms where they can use the buy with Prime button? Will they lose, will they lose their customer? If they don't adopt it, and if they do adopt it, again, they lose they lose some business. But again, I think there's a massive opportunity for D2C to grow based on this buy with Prime. So I, I think they will end up adopting it, and I think it could be a game changer for a lot of sellers. And maybe if you haven't thought about going D2C, if you're at seven figures, I think it's something you should you should be doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you're if you're smaller. You know, really depends how many products do you have, how, how how successful are those products. Validate and get success on Amazon first, I think. But um, you know, I, I really like where this is going with Buy with Prime. I think it's genius, um, and it's a it's just a brilliant move on Amazon's part. Yeah, it's you know the diversification of platforms and and DDC and and Walmart. I mean, the, we're having a conversation here that we wouldn't have even had, you know. Right. Two years ago, let alone three or four years ago, um, and it's just showing how much the this space has has evolved, and 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 it just go you goes to the point that you know guys, you know you're selling on Amazon, great, you know, but but you can't be resting on your laurels here because you know the the, the industry is evolving and you need to evolve with it or you're going to be uh, left behind. All right, so so the, the, these are some like cool new things that that are in the pipeline here that we definitely want to keep an eye on. Let's just talk just talk about some some bread and butter uh, stuff here. So. Um, you know, in, in the last couple of years, Amazon itself has come out with a lot of cool data points, a lot of cool um, filters in, in advertising that before was only available or, or reports that was only available to vendors and things like that. On the strict Amazon side, we'll talk about Helium 10 next. Yep. 
what are some of the top, you know, two or three new things, be it brand analytics, product opportunity yeah. explorer, search query performance, or, yes. or top of search function, like all this yes. plethora of new stuff that Amazon has yes. launched in the last year, it seems. What are some of your favorites? Yeah, so many things. Um, I'll share with I'll share with one of my favorite reports in PBC that I don't think a lot of people um, are looking at, and that's the uh, impression share report. It's also new, I would say, probably in the last year or so. Um, it's really important. Impression share report, you can look at it on sponsored products, sponsored brands, and you can really see um, what is your impressions on a particular keyword compared to your competitors. And so, and you can see those, uh, the results with that particular keyword. So you can see what your ACoS is, what your conversion rate is on that keyword, and where you are in impressions. And so you might be looking at a keyword that you're number three. It's an mm. important keyword. And you have a 30% ACoS with a you know 10% conversion. Like maybe you want to push harder on that particular keyword. Now, if you're number one, there's no reason to push harder. You're already getting more impressions than, than any other brand. Maybe you can get even higher percentage of share, but... Um, you can really, it's a very helpful report to see if you are, you know, pushing on the right keywords, some keywords that you need to kind of pull, pull back on more, but really, really great report. And, um, I don't think a lot of sellers are, are utilizing it enough. Now, one of the things along with this, what we do is if you get a little fancy and you learn pivot tables a little bit on Excel, which you could do with Google, with, with YouTube. What we do is we also pull a report of all the keywords that we're targeting between sponsored products and sponsored brands. And we create one sheet that shows us all the keywords on the impression share report, their performance, and then whether or not we are targeting that specific uh, search term mm -hmm. in um, sponsor product uh, exact phrase and broad in headline ads and in video ads. Okay. okay, and we look at this report and we try to understand. So, and sometimes we'll see uh, when we audit an account. Sometimes we'll see a keyword. You're like number four. You're getting really good results, and you're not targeting at all. Well, what's going on? It's coming from the auto campaign, but you maybe never moved it over, and you're not managing it manually mm -hmm. and able to dial up the bids and get more impressions yeah. and do better, and you're already doing well. So, I love that report. Uh, I think everybody should be pulling that report if you can do a pivot table along with, you know, are you targeting those keywords or not? Or even look at it separately and, and find a way to copy and paste it from another Excel sheet. Um, and what your, if, if you're targeting that keyword, I think that's a great report to make sure you're targeting those keywords that are relevant, that you have pretty good results with, that you have room to push further. That, that's one of my favorite and I think most important newer type of reports that's available. It's available with sponsored products, uh, sponsored brands as well. Um, also interesting to see on that report, we have seen some interesting things that you should look out for. So we've seen things with sponsored brands where you're getting a lot of impressions, but your click-through rate is really low. And then we try to identify why. <clears throat> why am I getting so many impressions here? My click-through rate is yeah, low. Yeah. So you have to go in and see what's happening is sometimes your um, sponsored brand ad will populate on a page, but you're not at top of search, you're on the bottom. And it's considered an, an impression, I believe, because it populates on the page, yeah, even yeah. though the person may not have seen it. But your bid is not high enough. So you might be looking at this and saying, I'm number three here. I have a lot of impressions, but, but I'm not getting any CTR here. What's going on? And you might identify a keyword that you really need to push the bids up on in order to actually be visible because you're not at 
you're you're not atop a search for sponsored brands, which is where most of the impre- where most of the clicks are are coming from for for sponsored brands, as opposed to like on the bottom of the search page. Mm-hmm. So that's really important as well. Um, let's talk about more more reports. Um, first of all, there's been some updates um, in the business reports. So business reports now shows you mobile uh, views. So you have to actually go into your business reports and go to columns and show the mobile sessions. And then you'll be able to see that, um, first of all, the percentage of traffic on a product from mobile Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and desktop. It's very important that key, especially if you have a high percentage of mobile, which I believe what I'm seeing is almost kind of like 60% mobile, 40% desktop nowadays, but depends on on products. If it's a very expensive product, people might be researching it more on, on, on a laptop, you know, versus their phone. But very important that like your first 60 or so characters, like if you have like one ounce or certain things that are important for a person to see that are in there. Um, but now you can see your true uh, conversion rates where before they were really inflated because what you saw was your total orders divided by only your, uh, you know, desktop traffic and not the app traffic. And so now it's really important to go back and evaluate what your real conversion rates are. People had a false sense, I think, of what conversion rates are. Um, search term query and brand analytics, mm-hmm. um, really good report. It's a new thing in brand analytics. If you click, you'll, you should have something at the top bar. You can click on that and you can actually see real search volume on a week to week basis. Um, so, uh, I love that report, um, because it really helps you see search volume and it also helps you see conversion rates within a 24 hour period of the person just coming from search. So not coming from product pages, not coming from other sources, outside traffic, et cetera, coming just from search. What are your conversion rates? What are the add to carts uh, where you might lose people along the way? Um, I think that's a really important, important one. And again, you can see actual search volume there. Um, and um, the product opportunity explorer, I would add, is great. You can see some data there you can't see anywhere else, like how many competitors are in a particular niche? How many are using sponsored products? How many new competitors have come in? Um, and you can really start to identify maybe changes within your within your niche that are um, that are happening. So all those things are new, and these are great reports to to get more insights. And with these reports, you can really start to see what your market share is on a particular uh, product within the niche, um, and understand where you are in terms of market share. And you can track this over time and see: Am I losing market share? Am I gaining? market share because some of these there's some brand metrics there like on the search query report for brand share for example what percentage of you know on this particular like uh keyword does your brand kind of get a share of the sales mm-hmm. um and that's really important to see if you're gaining or losing because you know in some sense if your sales are down it could be a trend of the market like fitness products today sales are down from last year on home fitness products because search volume is down but have you lost market share is a more important metric right because, okay, maybe the pie has gotten smaller, let's say, in this particular niche. But if I had 10% share before and I now have 12%, I'm going to look at that as a positive. But if I lost market share, it's a negative. Really, the search volume, the demand is not something that I can, I can control. So you have a lot better insight into what's happening when you start piecing some of these reports together. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, what, what you're talking about there is why we made that that tool market tracker in, in mm-hmm. Helium 10 is because, 
I mean, how many times, if we had a dollar for every time somebody in a Facebook group says, hey, my sales are down this quarter. Anybody else? My sales are down today. Anybody else? You know, like, well, yes. guys, if you were actually tracking, you know, it doesn't have to be with Helium 10 if you're using whatever, right. and tracking your market, you know, you'd be you'd be seeing, well, the pie got smaller, the pie got bigger, all your yeah. your piece of the pie got smaller. Yes, you, you are down compared to your competitors, but yes. but everybody kind of like does not seem to want to to programmatically track their market they just want to ask in facebook groups <laughs> anybody yeah. else's sales down uh yeah. speaking of speaking of you know newer helium 10 tools you know you were one of the early adopters of, of helium 10 you're probably using yeah. helium 10 before yeah. before i even uh have, was uh, and bradley i'm proud to say i have four helium 10 accounts <laughs> four helium 10 accounts there yeah. you go not it's not one one's not enough yeah. you guys gotta have four. Oh yeah. my goodness um you know, you, you use some tools that even most people don't, you know, back in the day, like Async Grabber and things like that. But, you know, in the last couple of years, we, we've launched about 7 billion new tools, just like Amazon. Are you still just using the bread and butter, you know, like Cerebro, Keyword Tracker, Async Grabber, uh, you know, stuff like that? Or have you adopted any of the, um, the newer we've used, tools? We've used Market Tracker. So uh, okay. re really, really like that tool, I would say, is one of the one of the newer tool. I just saw there was an upgrade to Profits as well. And so that's, that's a tool that I think is, is really useful. We now have business reports in there. Oh, um, okay. so, so the impressions and, and, uh, the, uh, the page that, sessions and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause, uh, I saw recently Amazon created an API for that before yep. there was no API. So they always said they would never do it. You know, we, we, right. we've been asking them that for years. Cause that's the, one of the biggest asks of our, our helium right. 10 customers. Like, man, I always have to go into stinking business reports and, 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 and seller central do this. And I want to like correlate it to my, my keyword tracker. I want to correlate it to, to this or that. And, right. and we're like, sorry, you know, like, unless we, we break Amazon's rules and like, try and like, get yeah. a sub account and then like pull it out or something like we can't, you know, it's right. We can't really do that. But finally they, they, they opened it up. I, I, I think uh, there's been some kind of strategic change with Amazon over the last couple of years mm -hmm. where they just mm -hmm. said, we're going to share more data because mm -hmm. we never thought Amazon would share search volume. Like, well, then you yep. can reverse yep. engineer how much traffic Amazon gets on a monthly basis and they don't want to release that information. And, and then they've kind of opened the floodgates. So they, they must've made some kind of strategic decision. Uh, we're just going to open it up. Uh, which I think is 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 awesome for for sellers. Uh, we're heavy heavy users of Cerebro. The reason why and keyword tracking. That's the reason why we need uh, multiple accounts because we're we're running up against limits. You know, on mm -hmm. on one account. We and we also kind of manage uh, accounts by teams, and so yeah. for the agency. So we we like to segment it out by by account. Um, but I mean, uh, one one of the best tools out there you know i think for for, for amazon sellers is the cerebro and the ability to really uh understand keyword research and understand relevancy of keywords and uh as well as tracking keywords i love that now you can see the history of the um when you add in a, a keyword to track you can also go back and see the history i know that's a, mm -hmm. a newer a newer thing um i yeah. didn't know you've added business business reports which is which is awesome um and so yeah we're we're very heavy users. Obviously, the extension is super powerful, um, both from just kind of getting, e even if it's just some view, but listing, you know, when you see that listing score, it's definitely helpful um, to see the listing score. And we also like the additional kind of filtering um, and selection and now the ability to go straight to Cerebro from the extension, which is yep. also something sort of, I would say, newer um, that you've added that's, um, you know, that that's really, really uh, useful. But in my mind, you know, Helium 10 is like uh, an essential tool. Like I, I don't see how you can run uh, uh, if you're private label, right? If you're just jumping on sure. this, uh, as a reseller, maybe not. But, 
even 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 in that case, I think you need it. But it's kind of like an, an essential tool to really understand. The bottom line is, you know, you're you're playing kind of like a, a keyword game when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to Amazon, and you um, you know you want to be you want to have those keywords in your listing, and the, the only way to do that is to understand where sales are are coming from, um, and you could do that with. Uh, with with Cerebro and reverse engineering your competitors. So um, this is like, you know, some people today would say, take this for granted, but, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. back in our day, <laughs> uh, you know, as we, we become older, we didn't have those things when we nope. first started, uh, you know, on Amazon. Like they were cute. There's that one guy who had that one, that one shady guy who had some tool and then it came out that he was like stealing, like stealing people's yes. accounts when they had a big uh, coupon or something like that. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he was uh, tracking when people had coupons and like a glitch in their coupons on quantity or something, and he was buying their stock using his tool, he was tracking and buying their stock and reselling it. And I never yeah. heard. But other than that, like if you didn't have that tool, then then you pretty yeah. much had, and that didn't even tell you ranks or anything. It just kind of, kind of told you where things were. But uh, yes. we've come a long ways. We've come a long. Uh, we've yeah, come a long ways. It's, it's amazing how much data is now available to, um, you know, today is it's almost like. You have too many points of data, and you need to decide what should I yeah. focus on. You know, in True. in terms of your in terms of your um, your business, which you know, I think there's some. Um, actually, somebody asked me yesterday, like, what are some of the key metrics I should be focused on in my business? And to me, it's like you want to track your top line sales, you want to track your tacos, ACOS, uh, organic sales, paid sales, and and margin, right? Like, you know, at a, at a high level, those are those are some of the things you should be tracking, and then some some other things on a product level, like the keywords, but um, and tacos, but yeah, uh, helium, you know, has really become, you know, um, an essential tool. And, you know, Amazon has been adding a lot of, a lot of data points as well. Yep, and I'm, yep. I'm sure now helium, you know, brand analytics, again, in the beginning, there was no API, right? They said they weren't kind of, re- you were not allowed mm-hmm. to use brand mm-hmm. analytics data. Now you can pull brand analytics data. Um, it's so much more data that's uh, available to you as a seller. Yep, absolutely. So um, let's talk about some some just you know going going to some strategy now. You know, we used to just do sometimes a thirty second tip and just one, yep. but you know, let's take the last ten minutes yep. and and just do some quick hitters from you, like some stuff yep. that you know. But but actually, before I get into that, uh, yep. I, I I forgot to ask one thing. I always ask this to to anybody who who has their own agencies when I have them on the show is. As an agency, you guys, are, it's not like you guys are onboarding brand new Amazon sellers who haven't even launched their, their first product. The, the, most right. of them, if not all, are existing Amazon sellers. And yes. so you guys have unique visibility into like, you guys are doing what? Like, say, so yes. I, I lo- love to ask you, know, like, what's common amongst your customers where, where you onboard them and <clears throat> it's a mistake that you think a, a lot of your customers are ha- were making that you guys obviously yes. correct, but probably yes. a lot of Amazon sellers out there are doing the same thing. Everybody. Uh, everybody. So we, and we almost now are auditing almost every single account before we take it on. Mm-hmm. Um, in some way for, for multiple reasons, I'll, I'll just share, uh, one, we don't really want to take an account that we don't think we can help. Number sure. one, number two, sometimes it's a way for us to show the end customer, the end person who's not a customer yet. Um, some of our work before they decide whether they want to work with us at all. And it's added value. So we do a full audit of their advertising account, takes us five to six days. We provide that audit back to them and that they could choose to work with us or not, right? So mm-hmm. it's added value. And there's one thing I see in almost every single one of those audits is uh, campaign structure is mm. not the way really that it should be. So what do I mean by that? Meaning, you know, campaigns with three, 400, 500 keywords, okay? 
shouldn't have that many keywords in a campaign, you're not going to maximize your impressions. Campaigns with mixed match types in a campaign. Again, different CTRs, you can't manage the right goals and budgets at that at the campaign level when you have a mix of really good and really bad in, in one campaign. And the biggest thing we see is like, you know, the keywords, there are certain keywords that should just be segmented. Like your highest search volume keyword. If I'm selling <clears throat> a felt letterboard, right? Letterboard should probably, that keyword has so much search volume, that keyword should be in its own campaign with its own budget. It's a very important keyword for me. I also might be willing to <clears throat> uh, allow that keyword to have a, a different ACOS goal than others. And if you're using software, let's say using Atomic or using software for, for PPC, you're entering in an ACOS goal. And the software is managing that ACOS goal. The more keywords you have in there, the less likely it's managing each individual keyword to that goal. Because what the software tools do is if I have a 30% ACOS goal in a campaign and I have 20 keywords in there or 100 keywords, they'll manage towards the average. Yeah. But that So it's possible that that most important keyword, because there's other keywords that are poor in that same campaign, is not allowed to spend because, because it's bringing down the bids on everything to bring the ACOS down. So we really see, and when you have that keyword that has a ton of search volume mixed in with long tail keywords, that keyword will suck up most of the budget and long tails, which have less search volume, but sometimes much higher buying intent because they're very specific, right? Felt leatherboard eight by eight, right? Uh, example, like sizes or whatever, right? That are less searches. Well, you want to get traffic for that because you might have a better conversion rate even on that than just felt leatherboard. But mixing in that high search volume keyword along with that lower long tail keywords together, um, in my opinion, is not the way to structure campaigns properly. And we see that we see a lot of that um, segmentation problems. And in my opinion, one of the one of the keys to successful PPC campaigns is the right segmentation process. Mm -hmm. So don't mix your match types. Um, you don't have to have not every keyword needs its own campaign, but start out by doing your research and, and take all your keywords that are relevant and sort them by search volume and, and irrelevancy. And mm -hmm. take the top keyword and put in its own campaign. And then maybe take the next three or four most important keywords that have high search volume, put them in its own campaign. And then maybe the next 10 in their own campaign. Mm -hmm. And then from there, go in groups of like 20 to 30. Because the long tail okay. keywords don't spend as much, don't have as much traffic. And if you start out that way in your structuring, um, that's gonna be really helpful. Some other tips. Are I believe well, I have a question on that. Yes. Um. Let's say, you know, you didn't know it was going to be one of your top keywords. You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe you know, because you probably know for if you're using Cerebral, you probably know what what's your your top keyword. But then sometimes yeah. the 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 market changes where where yeah. the main keyword, you know, Oops. in 2018 is not the main keyword in 2019. Right. So let's say in 2019 or whenever a year later, now you realize, hey, this other keyword is now the main keyword. I have it just in, in one of my, you know, exact manual campaigns of 20 other keywords. Right. Now, since it has so much history in that campaign. Yes. Do, do you take it out? Do you, do you isolate it, but then keep it active in the old one just in case that new one doesn't get traction? Because, I, you know, at least in the old days, I remember that sometimes you would try and put a keyword into a new campaign and just wouldn't get any traction at all. Right. Or what's your strategy there? Right. So you could do one of two things. If the other keywords there are not so important, you could do the opposite. You can keep that keyword and move the other ones out, for example. Okay, so that, that's one option. Um, 
otherwise, what I would say is I would move it into a campaign. I'd, I'd pause it. And if it doesn't get traction, I'd, I'd unpause it. Typically, we do see that it does get traction. And it may take a little bit of time because there is that factor of campaign history. So you're right. Um, but we t- typically after a couple of weeks, you know, it, it, it should start seeing it and if, and raise the bids and, you know, you can do some things to give it a push, um, if you need to, but ultimately, yes, I would isolate, I would uh, isolate that camp, that campaign. Again, if I have, you know, a thousand key, you know, a lot of many, many other keywords there, I, I, and some of them are important, et cetera, I would I'd probably move mm-hmm. that one. Um, but you can always turn it back on in that campaign if something if something doesn't happen. But I, w- I would move the keyword ultimately. Um, the other thing that we do is um, we don't start still when when you know when we interview people to work at our agency and we ask them how do you start off campaigns, they'll say, well, I start with auto. I let Amazon find the keywords and then I move them over, and that's very very old strategy. And some people still do things that way. We always start with manual research. All the keywords that we put in the manual campaign, we negate off the bat in the auto campaign because we want to control them on on a manual basis. And when we harvest keywords from auto and move them over, we negate those keywords in the auto campaign again because we want the control on the on the manual uh, campaign. So that's another thing we, we see. Um, and again, it's part of the reason why we sometimes and again with certain software tools, et cetera, you can even you can even automate that. What our our default is two conversions. Once we see two conversions, we move it over because one can be a fluke. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our default is two conversions to, to move something over. Um, but that's another reason why we see search terms on the uh, impression share report that you're not targeting at all. Right. And you have a, a lack of control when those things are in auto. So one of the things we see sometimes is like somebody's highest spending campaign is auto. Well, you have no, con- you, you know, you're controlling four targeting types that within each of them have hundreds of keywords or ASINs and you have very little control. So in my opinion, as PPC has gone more complex, as competition has gone more, uh, you know, more competitive, the more granular you need to be in your campaigns. Another thing we see sellers not doing is um, harvesting across campaign types. Okay, so people harvest from auto and a broad phrase and a phrase match of a search term mm-hmm. back into exact. We actually added back as exact phrase and broad. When, when we see a search term that converts, we add it across all three. Mm-hmm. How about harvesting across campaign types? Something converts over in my sponsor brand video campaign search term. Maybe I don't have that in my sponsored product campaign for the same product. I want to move it over. Something mm-hmm. converts, some, something harvests in my sponsored product. I want to move it over to my sponsored brands. So you want to really harvest across uh, same product with you know, within sponsored products, but then you also want to harvest, we know within sponsored brands, sponsored display product targeting, for example, to sponsored uh, product. And then one more thing um, is this, again, many people may know this is broad match in, uh, in sponsored brand is not the same as broad match in sponsored product. Amazon sees, and I'll tell you why, Amazon sees sponsored brand, even though we don't see it that way, Amazon sees sponsored brand is more of a top of funnel strategy. So just to explain, what does that mean? Top of funnel. If you have a funnel, right, a physical funnel and at the top is wide, right. And at the bottom is gets small. So at the top and the top, you can, you could put a lot of things in at the top, right? So you're casting a wide net at the top, but it may not be as targeted. 
And then towards the bottom of the funnel, something is a lot more targeted and much more likely to convert. Amazon sees sponsored brand as, as more of a brand awareness play, okay? Similar to DSP in a lot of ways, uh, we, which we could talk about, but Amazon sees sponsored brand as, as, as a brand awareness. This mm-hmm. may not drive as much sales, but you're getting a lot of people to see your brand and brand awareness, which because they view it that way, they take a lot more leeway in the, the keywords, meaning the keywords you're putting in your broad, if you're putting three or four words, those three or four words do not have to be in the search term for it to, uh, for Amazon to show it on sponsored brands, but they do in sponsored product. So one of the things we do is we add a little plus sign, which makes it a broad match modifier for, for sponsored brands uh, on the keywords. And that broad match modifier makes it equal to what a broad match would be in sponsored products. Every single one of those keywords has to be in the search, mm. not in that order, like a phrase, but they have to be in there. And um, that's that's a big uh, that's a big thing we see in terms of um, uh, a lot of wasted spend in sponsored brand campaigns. So um, all of these things hopefully are actionable that you know you can go back into your campaigns and, and look at um, and uh, and see. And again, you know, um, we typically work with sellers that are kind of spending closer to ten thousand a month in, in ads, seven eight thousand, closer to ten thousand a month in ads. Um, and if you're in that category, we can do an audit for you, whether you decide to work with us or not, we can help you identify, uh, identify these things. Love it. Love it. Now, how about maybe just one last 30 second one, like a, just a quick hitting, a quick hitting, uh, strategy or, or tip that you think people should uh, take advantage of. Doesn't have, I mean, if it's PPC great, but it can be about anything. Um, well, um, what I see is the, the, well, I'll, I'll share two things. Number one, okay. top of search, top of search strategies, top of search, you know, will have a higher cost per click. But because the conversion is so good, on average, our clients see a better ACoS in top of search than not using top of search. So that. But I'll share something else, where I think Amazon is going. Um, building up your brand followers, I think, is an underutilized strategy mm. right now. Amazon recently added customer engagement where you can send messages out. If, if you have a 1,000, they recommend if you have a, at least a 1,000 followers, you can send a message out to those followers. But the follow button is now on Amazon Posts. It's now in your store. Um, I saw something where you know Prime Day um, on mobile... If you're following a brand, you're going to see their products there on your mobile mm-hmm. uh, if you're following them. So uh, I think that is uh, – I'll share a few things here. So I think that is something you should be on a regular basis. Treat posts like your social media. On social media, people post once a day or even more maybe or three times a week. You should do post regularly. Post is still free. Okay, It probably won't be free forever once it gets mass adop- adoption and once the, you know you're going to get more tools out of it, followers and showing them deals, etc. This is where Amazon is going. And I think people don't have this strategy. And you easily with a graphic designer on a low-cost basis, you can have them crank out, take your images, use Photoshop, crank out. You know, uh, I wouldn't be too worried about what the caption is and stuff. You just got to get get it out there, get people to see it, click it, follow the brand. Um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Um, drive traffic to your storefront, right? Because that's also where you can get you know brand followers. Um, and lastly... Um, we're doing a lot of influencer marketing and I think for just my tip on influencer marketing is it's hard to track. What do I mean by that? We're using Amazon attribution, but Amazon Mm -hmm. attribution is clunky. So we'll run TikTok ads, for example, or Facebook ads into, into Amazon. We'll see a thousand clicks on Facebook and 700 clicks on, on on attribution. So we, we see on average, like only 70% of the traffic Hmm. shows up in attribution. The sales take time to come in. And then when we work with influencers, especially on TikTok, People don't click the link because the link is only in the bio, maybe 
for a week and then it's gone. And then yeah. I mean, it's not in the thing. So people come and search the brand. So if you're doing influencer marketing, we figured out early, you have to track multiple um, multiple data points. Okay. So now we're tracking, okay, has BSR changed? Um, are people using the coupon, attribution, and branded searches? So we chart out because you can look at brand analytics if you're showing up in branded searches or not, or search query performance, right? You can now get these data points from Amazon and we put on a chart. So we've seen where we don't see attribution. We don't see any sales there. Um, we've seen some sales increase and then we see branded search that your brand name was not even on the brand analytics, you know, search terms. It wasn't in like the 2 million or whatever it is. And now we start now, now we start to see hits of it coming up. And so we know that the influencer is driving, but if we only looked at attribution, we would say this isn't working. And so that's like an, another overall tip. And, and I think there will be more and more opportunities with influencer marketing, um, coming up and, and maybe in a year from now, you'll be doing that to your website. Cause you have, cause you have buy with yeah, Prime, right. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, lots of, lots of, uh, opportunity. One, one last thing I spoke to, uh, a seller yesterday that built their D2C brand clothing, $2 million just off brand ambassadors and influencers, 80% of their business. And it, you, they're only paying influencers with commission, only with commission. They negotiate it 20% commission to influencers, 10% to brand ambassadors, and they have a four, four X ROAS. Um, just on their business with influencer marketing. So I think that's that's another you know trend I think that's going to continue to to grow. Love it, love it. All right, well, Liran, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Now, if people want to reach out to you guys to get some help with their Amazon or just to ask some questions, how can they find yeah. you guys on the interwebs? Yeah, sure. So incrementumdigital.com is the website. We also launched, um, if you go under Incrementum Digital on LinkedIn, make sure it's not the Australian company. There's, uh, so, so I think you search incrementumdigital.com. We launched a LinkedIn newsletter we're doing weekly with just like tips, added value, some of the posts we're, we're putting we're putting out there. Uh, it's also fun. Uh, it's got some some gifts and some some fun stuff, updates. Um, and so we're putting out a lot of content, um, you know, from on, on, especially a lot on LinkedIn. And it's easy for us when somebody on our team shares something, we share it on the uh, on the on the LinkedIn profile, um, but yeah, f- social channels. You could obviously follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and uh, I typically do answer every single DM. So if you reach out, uh, maybe I could try and help. That's awesome. And if you guys are not sure which uh, company it is, you can also just check the. Uh, the they're one of the Helium Ten and yeah. the uh, sellers. Uh, what do we call? It? We just changed the name. Okay. Seller Solutions Hub. So, so guys, okay. go to hub.helium10.com and Incrementum Digital is right there. If you're already with them, make sure to. Another uh, thing we just add is where you can leave reviews. Uh, you know, to, yes. to the agencies and service providers you use. So make sure if you guys are using them and, um, you know, uh, hit them up with a review right there so other people can take advantage of that. But Liron, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It was a strategy filled episode, which we always like here, and we appreciate it. And we'll be seeing you uh, probably at the um, yes, uh, Sell and Scale Summit. Hopefully, yeah, uh, you'll be at. Say, I hope to. Uh, I hope. Yeah, obviously to see you, but anybody listening, if you're there uh, at, I heard the inside term is SS3 from, from the Helium. Yes, S3, Sell S3. and Scale Summit. So you guys want to join us out there at the Sell and Scale Summit. Make, make sure to go to h10.me forward slash S3, and you can save $100 off of the entry fee uh, by using the coupon code S3BS100. Yes. Uh, so uh, hopefully I'll see you there. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that uh, Nelly Nelly performance. So yes, all, all of us who are um, all of us who are uh, old, <laughs> who are old. Yeah, I was trying to think of another word here, but you know that that's pretty much it. Wise, uh, all wise. of us who are old school will definitely uh, will definitely be uh, digging that. So thank you so much, and we'll we'll see you there in September. Thank you.